the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We come into sections of Scripture from time to time that are more instructive in their nature. And these are important. They wouldn't be in the Word of God if they weren't there. We're in 1 Corinthians, and today we're going to look at verses 10 through 16. And these are very controversial verses because they deal with a problem that is epidemic. They deal with divorce. They also deal with marriage, but they deal with divorce and separation. And there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of of pain and hurt that goes alongside with that. I doubt there's very many people in this group right here that haven't been touched by divorce in some way. And God has given us some very clear words concerning his life in us, his love for us, his desire for us. And the new covenant is all about his renewing us and making us, giving us a new heart, a new relationship with him, literally making us new so that he could demonstrate through us his love, so that he through us could demonstrate his grace, his mercy. And everything Everything that would separate or become an obstacle to our relationship with him was taken to the cross and has been done away with in the completed work of Christ. Everything. So, if that be so, how do we deal with these issues? Well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And again, in this portion of the letter, Paul is assuming a very pastoral role with the Corinthian believers. These verses, as I said before, are intended to be more instructional than doctrinal. So Paul is answering some very specific questions that have been written to him by the Corinthian believers. Paul's not in Corinth at this time, but he had received a letter. And in this letter, there's a lot of questions concerning how do we, how do we deal with this in living the Christian life. And before we address these questions, I want to remind you of the context. First of all, we need to remember that this fellowship was formed in one of the most immoral and corrupt cities, if not the most, in the Roman Empire. So these people had come out of all kinds of distortion and corruption. There was two groups in this particular congregation. 
the Gentiles and the Jews. And the Gentiles had come out of a pagan and immoral society, an idolatrous society. They'd been raised in this. And the Jews came from the law and from the Jewish tradition of the law and following the law. So you have really two very different backgrounds. So when these people became Christians, they had to approach life in a radically different way. It changed everything. They had been made new, and the paradigms that they'd been living in before, the paradigm of idolatry, the paradigm of legalism and self-righteousness, no longer suited them. It was no longer fitting for them to live that way. And initially, Paul founded the church, and he discipled them, and since then he's moved out, like I said, and they have other teachers. But since Paul has left, carnality has crept into the church. How does it get in? It doesn't come in underneath the doors. It actually walks in with the people because carnality is flesh. Again, I've said this many times. It's the word carnal means meat. So we're talking about the flesh. We're talking about people living to their body. The lost man has nothing else to live to. His spirit is dead to God. He is separated from God. So he lives to that. And if we revert to walking back in the flesh, then we are living out of who we were before we met Christ. We're using all the same coping mechanisms that we used apart from Christ. We're doing the same things, the same habits. The baggage of of living apart from Christ has now become new for us. It has now become influential in our lives. When we live this way, religion replaces relationship in our Christianity. And we are no longer tuned to the Spirit of God in us, to the new nature. So God promises in the new covenant that as new creations, he will write his truth in our hearts. And what he's saying there, it's not like he literally comes down with a sharpie and puts it on there. What he's talking about is he will literally work his character into who you are. That means that who you are at the very core as a new creation, as a Christian, is in line with the character of God. He couldn't accept you any other way. Think about that, right? He has literally written the truth within you. And the Spirit of God is constantly bringing that truth to the forefront So that you may walk in it. So what does a person do, a Christian who's sent away and doesn't have a Bible? How about the man that's saved on the other side of the world? It doesn't have a a church, doesn't have a Bible in front of him. Well, is he hopeless? Will he not grow spiritually? Does he not have a chance of becoming a, a, a strong Christian? Because he doesn't have the instruction that you have? No. He has the same opportunity to live and walk in truth as any of the apostles did. Because you remember, the apostles didn't have a Bible either to speak of. What they had was the Spirit of God and a willingness to hear. A yielded mind and heart towards the Spirit of God. These people, these Corinthian believers, had the Spirit of God within them. They they had truth within them. But they had become distracted by their old ways of living. They had become distracted by the temporal world around them. They've forgotten who they were. 
2 Corinthians 5.17, you've heard me read this verse many times. says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is engrafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creation, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the way they used to live, the previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. When we choose to walk after the flesh, that means like we don't have a God. The old things that passed away that are no longer an expression of our nature now become influential in how we live. And we once again come under their influence. As we see ourselves as flesh, the practices and the baggage of the flesh become our context for living. And when we live this way, we are unstable, we are divided in our thinking, and we cry out for balance. And that is what the Corinthians are doing. That's the point I'm making. Because a lot of these questions need never be asked if they are walking and living according to the Spirit. Where we begin to to grope about for firm and solid answers to every little circumstance in life, we reveal our unbelief, our lack of faith and trust in the one who is our life. The whole system, a paradigm for the child of God is to live as a sheep. How much is a sheep supposed to know? Well, I think there's only one thing that a sheep is supposed to know. That is to follow the shepherd. And in following the shepherd, he is obedient to the shepherd's heart and to the shepherd's inclination. And here's the thing about the shepherd. The shepherd tends to every need of the sheep. Now, the reason the Corinthians were having to write Paul is because they had come out of balance. They were walking in carnality. And now there was a duality in them between what they used to know as life and what they now know as life. There was a battle going on. So they're asking Paul for clarity, particularly having to do with marriage. And uh, as I said last week, they had a lot of distorted views concerning marriage because of their background. Some of them were in arranged marriages. Some of them were married in pagan ceremonies. Some of them were joined together in slavery. Some of them were married to unbelievers. And there were those who actually purchased their wives. So you could see there was a little bit of mixed ideas about what marriage actually meant, what it consisted of. There was all manner of distortion concerning marriage, and divorce was a huge problem. It was not uncommon in that society for people to have multiple divorces, some of them more than 20 in a lifetime, because it was regarded as a triviality. Now, that was partially because of the prevailing philosophies of that day. One of them taught that the body was essentially of no importance at all, and therefore it could be indulged in any way you choose, which led to gross immorality and debauchery. And the other movement, another movement, which had affected this body, was teaching that the body was to be given to the Lord, and a Christian who wanted to grow and mature spiritually and be advanced spiritually should be celibate. Or become celibate in order to give God all the attention. Some people were actually putting their spouses away in order to become spiritually superior. 
How about that? That's a good line. I'm sorry, honey, we can't be married anymore because I want to get closer to God. That works. So you can see what kind of distortion and corruption. And this is, this is actually a corruption of the truth. And that's what we get when we seek to know God according to the flesh. The flesh becomes primary and our spiritual life becomes secondary. And so we want rules. We want learning. We want understanding that we can twist and we can move in our direction. So the other issue was among the Jews. They had Jewish believers in there. And the Jews believed that if you did not have a wife, you were cursed of God. And they would say that a man who does not have a wife and a child has slain his posterity and lessened the image of God in the world. So this is a really neat congregation to belong in. On one side, you could be condemned if you had a wife or a husband. On the other side, you could be condemned if you didn't. This is what Paul is addressing. And as I said, I'm convinced a lot of these questions would never have been asked if there weren't carnality. Let's look at our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11, I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, But to the married believers, this is Paul, I give instructions, not I, but the Lord, that the wife is not to separate from her husband, Verse 11, but even if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not leave his wife. Now, at the first part of this verse, Paul is simply saying, I'm not quoting Jesus here. And in fact, what he is doing is he is reaffirming the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. He says, I'm trying to give you some clarity. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Okay? And you'll recognize that chapter 5, in chapter 5, Jesus is teaching the Beatitudes. And what the Beatitudes are is basically a picture of a life being lived from the Spirit. That's what the Beatitudes are. And he is blasting the self-righteous and the religious of that day in these verses. Those people who thought they were keeping the law. And it's in these verses that he addresses divorce. So you can read along with me here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. He says, Jesus says, It has also been written, whoever divorces his wife is to give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife, except on grounds of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who has been divorced commits adultery. Now, that basically says that if you have been divorced, you should not remarry. That's what it says. If you have been divorced, you should not remarry. Here's the issue. Let's look closer at that verse. There are two different Greek words that are being used here. I hate to wax Greek on you, but... It's important that we have an understanding of what's going on in this verse. There are two different Greek words that are being used here for divorce. The first one is apoluo, and it means to be set free or literally sent away or cast off. The second one is very specific. It is apostasian. Apostasian means to give a legal writ, a legal instrument... A writ of divorce. So let's look at that verse again. 
I want you to notice the differences in the words. He says, it has also been said, whoever divorces Apaluo, sends his wife away, casts her off, shows her the door, so to speak. His wife is to give her a apostasian, a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces Apaluo, sends her away, casts her off, shows her the door, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a woman who has been Apaluo, cast out, sent away, commits adultery. So there's two different words here. Now Jesus is addressing something specific here. He is addressing the practice of sending away a spouse without a legal divorce and then remarrying another. Now this was a particularly harsh thing to do for women. Because in that day and age, a woman couldn't just go out and get herself a job or a career. Women typically relied upon the man they married to support them and keep them. And if they were single and had not been married, they relied upon their relatives to do so. So if they were cast off and sent off without a certificate of divorce, in other words, just shown the door, they had nowhere to go. And they would end up seeking another man because that's how they could protect and shelter themselves. So in seeking another man, what we have is like the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. She had many husbands or they end up in prostitution, supporting themselves in another way. So it was a very harsh thing to do. It was a very hard thing to do, but it was a common practice Because men did not want to entangle themselves in a legal writ of divorce. They would simply show them the door and then they go find somebody else. In fact, this is not that old and it still goes on today. In fact, rabbis have been empowered by the Israeli Supreme Court to chase these men down who have cast off their wives and then gone even to America and remarried. And they'll go to these men and they say, okay, you're either going to go through the legal process of divorce or we are going to sue you. We're going to come after you. So this is not an uncommon practice. The practice of casting off a spouse was very common and was a very old practice even in Paul's day. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19. Turn to Matthew chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. And Jesus again addresses divorce with the Pharisees. And they are seeking to trap him by pitting him against Moses. Matthew 19, verses 7 and 8. The Pharisees said to him, Why then, they're asking him about divorce, He says, why then did Moses command us to give her a certificate of divorce, apostasian? And if you're in the Amplified Bible, you'll see that they actually spell that out. Why then did Moses command us to give her a certificate of divorce, apostasian, and send her away, apaluo? What came first? The apostasian, the certificate of divorce. He said to them, this is Jesus' response to them. He says, because your hearts were hard and stubborn, Moses permitted you to divorce Apaluo. 
your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. The Pharisees are here making the distinction between apostasian and apoluo. They make the distinction. They said, Moses said, give her an apostasian, which is a certificate of divorce. Then apoluo. But other translations will use the word divorce in both places. But they're two different words. And what Jesus points out, he points to the heart of the issue. He says, you're sending your wives away because of the hardness of your heart. You're not in line with God's heart for your wives. You're sending them off because you're selfish and cruel. It's basically what he's saying to them. And it was going on. Pharisee didn't like the wife. Wife burned the biscuits, whatever. Show her the door. No divorce. Apaluo, cast her off. Go get another. Now let's look at the crown gem of most teaching on divorce, which is Malachi 2.16. This is in the Old Testament. It's a Hebrew. It comes from the Hebrew. And it says, for God speaking, and he says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And him who covers his garment with wrong and violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, keep watch on your spirit so that you do not deal treacherously with your wife. Now, the Hebrew word there used for divorce is shalak. Now, for you Hebrew scholars, I may have mispronounced that, but that's the way it looks to me. It means to send off or cast away. God is saying, I hate it when you deal treacherously with your wife. By sending them off, by rejecting them, by deserting them. This is what God is saying. If you look at that entire chapter in Malachi, he is dressing down the Israelites for living in idolatry, for taking after other gods, for doing all of these idolatrous things, and he gets down and he addresses divorce. Well, why does he address divorce? He addresses divorce because the Israelites were literally sending their wives away in order to Embrace foreign gods and foreign women. But that is what was going on. And he says very simply, I hate it. I hate divorce. I hate what you're doing. I hate the way you're treating your wife. And look at the end of the verse. If you have a amplified, the amplified spells it out. He says, you are treating your wives treacherously. Treacherously. You're cruel. Now, Don't hear me say that God is okay with divorce because he's not. Don't hear me say that God's okay with divorce if it's done legally because it's not. Divorce is the fruit of sin and selfishness. But it is not a sin that throws you into perpetual adultery or lifelong celibacy, which is what the modern church teaches now, they dance around it, and they don't, they don't go to this scripture very often. You don't hear too many sermons on that section. If you do, it's a bunch of pulpit banging that has to do with that. We don't want divorce. God hates divorce, and if you get divorced, God's in. And you know what? I grew up in the church. And here's the thing that just bothers me. That in the day of grace, in the day of the new covenant, Christian people are going to other Christian people who have literally been ripped apart by divorce, had their families yanked away from them, who are in severe pain, 
looking to find themselves, and all they can give them is a message of condemnation. All they can give them is, a, is that, well, brother, I hope you don't have to marry again. That doesn't make any sense. We just got through reading in the earlier part, verses 1 through 9, where Paul's very clear about that. He says, listen, if you are in the majority, you're going to have a passion that's going to need to be met in marriage. So marry. You have to have a special gift to stay single. But if you get divorced, Bo, you better put that passion on hold. You better try to control it. You better keep it under lock and key. Good luck with you, brother. Does that make sense? Not at all. Why? Because translators have taken that word apaluo and that word apostasian and they've made it one word, divorce. That is where the confusion lies and that's why even godly theologians will address this with a dogmatic error. But in the same way, they're almost apologetic because they rarely ever speak on it. And their, their congregation is littered with people who have gone through divorces and remarried. Okay, guys, if this is really exactly what the Word of God says, we've got a real problem. We've got a lot of people out there living in adultery. I mean, how are we going to have church? The issue is this. We need to recognize our Father's heart. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.